you know, I, I, I was talking about this yesterday. We obviously heard about Mark as teacher before this, um, but it's won a BAFTA award. It's done really well. One of our listeners sent us a New York Times photograph of, uh, I think it was a Netflix ad that was taken out, double spread, and saying that, you know, South Africans aren't making such a big thing about this, um, but that they are overseas. Everybody in New York, for example, talking about it. And it just makes me feel great. You know, once again, to see South Africans punching above their weight. There's so many examples of it. And I think we need to have more confidence in ourselves as a nation when it comes to our ability when juxtaposed to, you know, what other people do internationally. Now, the South African documentary, My Octopus Teacher, has won that BAFTA that I spoke about. It's a Netflix documentary directed by um, Pippa Elrich and James Reed. And it captured a year spent by filmmaker Craig Foster, you know, as he builds a relationship with a wild, common octopus in the South African kelp forest. And, uh, you know, Ulrich accepted the award from the British Film and Television Academy. This is during the ceremony held on Sunday night. And My Octopus Teacher has also been nominated for an Oscar. Now, we're going to be chatting to a couple of very important folk. Uh, Swati uh, Tiagarajan is uh, Craig Foster's wife, a.k.a. the boss. How are you doing, Swati? Great to have you on the show. Thank you, Neil. Thanks very much. Great to be on the show. It's great to have you on, man. And Kevin Smats, he wrote the musical score for My Octopus Teacher, and you got more than just a pat on the back for that, Kevin. Good to have you on as well. <laughs> it's lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. I am honoured being surrounded by South Africans such as yourself. So, Swati, let's start with you, right? Um, what is the story that led up to the making of My Octopus Teacher? Because there's a backstory to this. Yes, there is. And it's, um, it's quite a, a long backstory because it almost feels like perhaps it started 50 years ago when Craig was a child and, you know, sort of playing and diving in, mm. in the tidal pools and in the kelp forest. And I think that's, you know, the passion and the curiosity grew then. But then, of course, as an adult, when he became a filmmaker and started making his film The Great Dance with the son in, uh, in Botswana, in the Kalahari, uh, you know, he spent a lot of time, almost three years on and off with the San community, and he spent a lot of time with their hunters, hunter-gatherers and the trackers. Mm. And I think he was so mesmerized by how entwined they seemed to be with their environment and how much they knew and how well they were tracking. And, you know, he really felt like he didn't have that same kind of depth of connection, if you will, even though he was a filmmaker making all of these films on nature, mm. he didn't feel he had that. And then we, when I met him and we got married and, you know, we were working on all these films together and he'd done five films in one year and it was a lot of delivery and a lot of pressures and he hit like a burnout stage. And I think at that point he literally put his camera down, didn't want to make any more films and decided to go back into the place that's always made him happy, which was the ocean and the kelp forest. And he applied what he'd learned from the sun to sort of immerse himself in that space and learn to track in that space and be in that space and adapt to the cold water. And in the process of doing that, a few years into that, had this amazing opportunity to have met this beautiful young octopus. And then wow. miracle of miracles, um, have that relationship with a wild animal for a year. Um, at the time when he had the relationship, you know, there was no plan at all that this would become a film. It was actually mm. later in the process of filming more and having all of this material and talking it through every day with me and others that it suddenly struck us that mm. this could potentially be a film. 
And you know, there's something deeper to this as well. And we'll talk about the film. And I, I don't want to give away too much about the film because I think people should just go to Netflix and have a look at it, right? I think that yeah. that, that is very important. I hate doing st- uh, discussions around films, right? Where we give away the whole darn thing. And then uh, it's a bit of a damp squirt, on the pun, when you actually go on and you can watch the thing. So I like the stories around it. Um, what can you tell us about how he changed? We, we talk about burnout. And yeah. everybody thinks, oh, being a filmmaker, it's so glamorous and glorious and wonderful. But yeah. sometimes you just don't want to wake up in the morning and, Absolutely. And, and, and you feel tired and you feel you just want to climb off the planet for a little bit to have a little bit of space with your time. Once he took that decision to go into the kelp, not knowing what the heck he was going to find and what that was going to lead to, yeah. um, how did that change him? Yeah, so, you know, as you know, um, you know, we all uh, today, I guess we have a better sort of at least compassion and understanding Mm. of mental health issues. I would think that hopefully we are getting more civilized about it as a culture and as a community and accepting that it can happen to anybody, Mm. really. Mm. Um, Also bearing in mind, of course, that, you know, when when someone looks at Craig, they're going to see a white man in South Africa who lives a certain life and they're still going to see it as pretty privileged. And they're going to be like, what is he talking about? But everybody hits a wall at some point, mm. you know. Um, and in his case, it, it, it centered around doing so many projects. And remember, these projects were uh, involving him diving with big, big animals like Nile crocodiles in the Okavango Gee. Delta. You know, they did the first film, um, Enter the Dragon's Lair, which was about Nile crocodiles in the Okavango Delta. And so the adrenaline of diving with these big, dangerous animals and then mm. Um, producing that film and then having all of and it's all internationally produced documentaries and they're quite ruthless when it comes to budgets and how they expect you to deliver and exactly. what you need to deliver and the specifications and mm. so while it sounds glamorous it's it's 18 hour days minimum you know yep. and morning noon and night and it's with the camera and it's physically taxing because you're diving you're swimming you're trekking you're walking you're carrying um, hundreds of kilos uh, in equipment mm. so it's a combination of when your body and your mind just literally hit a wall and that's what happened with him. And then you know what it's like when you when you get that burnout and it leads to anxiety and that leads to its own sort of domino effect of lack of sleep and depression and all of it. Um, he just really, really felt like maybe his he needed to go back to the the things that had inspired him because he felt like he'd lost that. So that was why he went back into the kelp forest um, and in an in-depth way because he really felt that perhaps um, you know, opening yourself up like that to a new experience, going into a place that has always made you happy, that you have good associations with mm. from when you were a child, could perhaps heal you. And my God, it did, you know, yeah. um, being in nature that way. As we all know, today, science tells you that mm. take 20 minutes, even if you can, in nature, just to reset your mind and body, you know. Exactly. Um, so it's, it's yes. So that, that was really what led to that. And mm. um, yeah, so... It, as you said, it wasn't something that we knew that this would change this way or this would happen, but he had to do something, you know, he, he, yeah. which is, again, as when people see the film, mm. they may get an idea of what it was that he was going through, but he really mm. felt he had to do something, and that was what, was, what instinctively he felt uh, drew him and he wanted to do, so that's what he did. Now, you're listening to Swati Tiagarajan, who is... Um, associate producer and also Craig's wife. Um, you know, we, we hear Craig's name, of course, <laughs> intimately associated with my octopus teacher. But it's wonderful to actually just, and, and as a partner and someone who's, um, you know, with him along the step of the way, that that's important. It's an important part of that journey, though, because 
You're so right. You are so right. People look at mental health and they say, oh, get over yourself. We all get depressed. We yeah. all feel like we hit a wall, but we don't yeah. really. Some no. people are different, right? Yeah. So I, mean, I think very, very important that you mentioned that, and that is a message I think we need to be driving forward here. It is today. That is the name of the show. You're listening to Cape Talk. I'm Kino Cummings. Now, Swati, we'll, we'll come back and we'll pick up that story with you. But I want to introduce Kevin Smats now. He wrote the musical score for My Octopus Teacher. Um, Kevin, let's maybe do a, a high-level view on this. Just sure. sitting back, I mean, yes, okay, so you've, you've been uh, uh, rewarded uh, handsomely for this, but let's talk about the experience, right? How, yeah. how, how do you feel now sitting back, um, looking at your work, um, listening to your work in particular? What are some of the key things that, 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 that come forward when it, when it comes to this journey that you are on? So, I mean, I've, I've been working with Craig since, 2007. So I've done a number of films with him. um, And uh, I mean, all of his films were special. I remember when he approached me, um, I think it might have been 2017 or 2018, just to start, uh, you know, he said, I've got these shots of this, this film underwater. I've been spending time with an octopus. I don't have budget. I don't know if it's going to sell to anyone. I just I'm starting to cut together this footage with Pippa. She's been diving with us. And and it was really this unexpected thing that, you know, as Swati was saying, he didn't plan to make a film. It just sort of started making itself. And And I took the risk, you know, when he said, I don't have any budget, but I would, you know, I have worked with you and I would love you to do the film. And I know that all the films that I've done with him, I did that film that Swati was mentioning, Into the Dragon's Lair, about the Nile crocodiles. Yep. And I know that he produces incredible films. And so I was like, I know there's no promise of budget, but I just want to do another film with you. And I didn't realize what it would turn out to be. You know, none of us on the team thought that, we, you know, when we finished this film, we, we were very proud of it. But none of us were like, this is an Oscar-winning film. And so mm. we've been on this wild ride of, just award after award and not to blow our own trumpet, but it just, it's completely blown our minds at the response yep. worldwide. The, the people that have been emailing and messaging us uh, across social media and mm. stuff, it's just incredible. I think when the film launched in September um, last year, the the amount of, I think the Sea Change Project was getting an email every three seconds or three minutes. It was like un unheard of uh, around the clock um so it's been quite a roller coaster um but if i look at my my career over the last 15 years or so this is definitely definitely the pinnacle so so far um i it's what i'm most proud of uh definitely and such a treasure and a privilege to have been able to work on it i think the lesson here as well is no one knows what tomorrow holds Right. Nobody <laughs> yeah. knows what, I mean, even now more than ever, um, right, 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 Kevin and Swati, uh, nobody knows what the heck tomorrow holds. But if you don't yeah. take the leap, if you don't jump into your proverbial, you know, kelp forest, and if you stay where you've always been, you're never going to know what tomorrow could have held. Absolutely. And I think the lesson out of that, I think, is just so powerful. And it's not, you know, bring out the pom-poms and let's all dive in. It's it's really about finding yourself, surely, Swati. And and once you find yourself, it reignites 
who you are and the passion that you've always had. No, absolutely, Kino. See, because in situations sometimes you find yourself in life, um, either it can reinforce, as you said, who you are, and then Mm. you go back to your basics and you find, okay, this is who I am and Mm. I can deal with this, or it completely changes your worldview and you do and become something else. Yes. Either which way, life is about moving forward. You cannot mark time and place. You just cannot because it's not going to allow you to. So then you may as well take that step even if it means into the unknown and it could be slightly scary and you yeah. don't know what you're going to get, but move forward, right? Because exactly. that's all any of us can do. As you said, there's, so you can't predict an outcome. You cannot predict what's going to happen. You have no control over what the results might be. The only thing that you perhaps have some control over is to make that choice to step forward. And doing it, actually. Because and do, yeah. The, the thing about, you know, sort of accepting your lot and going, okay, this is, I guess, what I'm going to do for the next, as much as I'm unhappy and depressed yeah. and all the rest of it, uh, I'll just have to do it because there's nothing else out there. Um, yeah. The nice thing with actually taking the leap is you get a kick under the bum yeah. and that adrenaline drives you and you end up fine. <laughs> you, you need yeah. to. It's either that yeah. or you, yeah. you, you, you sink and you stay in the kelp forest, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I just for, for me, it was just great to talk around the, the, the side of it. And, and let's talk about the response to my octopus teacher. Um, let, let's talk about internationally. Um, you know, Kevin's given us a, 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 a basically um, our, our taste buds have now been tingled. Uh, but but what, what exactly are people saying overseas about it? It just totally blows your mind. I mean, it's it's just been incredible. It's really just been so. We we, as Kevin said, we were all happy with the film when it was done. We were, you know, and Netflix was on board, and it was going to go on Netflix, and that itself we felt was the highlight. Like, oh my God, yeah. you know, we've got this film on Netflix, <laughs> and you think that's huge, Something. and then it blows your mind what happens. You know, you know how it is. You live in South Africa in Cape Town. Um, you're not in the thick of things in that sense, you know. You know, you're not. For example, the American juggernaut is something that none of us actually even realize what that's like until it actually happens. The way Americans consume culture in terms of films or Netflix or any of these OTT platforms and movies, I mean, it's 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 at another level. There is no way we can even comprehend it until you're sucked into that. Exactly. So, you know, it, once it went on Netflix and it had this massive reach, you know, I don't know how many, it was translated into over 20 languages or 30 Gee. languages. Um, it's a Netflix original, so it's available in all the global territories. As Kevin said, you know, Sea Change Project, uh, you know, we presented the firm, the not-for-profit organization for ocean conservation that Craig set up. We mm. suddenly were inundated, like drowning in emails. Every two seconds, our servers crashed. Um, but beautiful emails, you know, and the, the best part, you know, was that we got emails from all the way from three to four year olds who were sending us in little wow. sketches of octopus all the way to 70, 80 year olds who were, you know, writing in about how it just in a time of such great uh, pressure and, and unhappiness and isolation and all of it that we're going through with this pandemic, uh, when they saw a film that was so much about connection, uh, what that meant for them, you know, in their mm. isolation and loneliness. Uh, what was also incredible was a lot of people haven't just seen this as a nature film. As you said very, mm. very rightly, a lot of people have seen it as a film that talks about mental health. So we've gotten a lot of responses from people who've gone through their own uh, issues and problems through this whole crazy year that we've had, you know, 
saying that how the film changed their lives. Mm. Um, we've had incredible emails about people who, you know, the, the most obvious was a lot of people wrote and saying they're never going to eat an octopus again. And then we got a lot of people who said they've gone back to diving and swimming. A lot of people said they were going to now make going into nature a practice in their life. Mm. Um, you know, and so that was extraordinary that it had this broad, really broad appeal. And it wasn't just a nature film on an octopus and that only nature lovers loved it. We got an immense response from a wide band of audience who all felt or got something from the film that was personal to them. Uh, it is. I mean, having said that, I've I've watched a bit of it. It's just been, you know, as a three-year-old, it gets a little difficult, right? But um, <laughs> I, I, the one thing I've always wanted to do was to learn how to dive. And uh, you look at this and you go, you know what? This is bloody amazing. Maybe I should just sign up and go for one or two or ten, which will end up being 20, of those diving lessons and just immersing myself. Because I love the ocean, right? Yeah. I've just been too darn scared to try and take the leap once again. Um, but but I, I think, yeah, there are so many people wanting to find meaning in life, and they don't know where to go. They don't know who to speak to. And this movie speaks to them. And the good thing about it is... It's not, you know, some cook, uh, some 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 uh, cooker, some sorry, cookie cutter message that you get. It it speaks differently to different people, which is the beauty thereof. Which is which exactly. is why they've got the emotional connection to this movie. Exactly, and and really that was what we were going for as well. You know, so hmm. the Sea Change Project, um, our aim is to tell stories that bring an emotional connect. Because you know, Kino, we live in a world where, let's face it, most of the things that we do and everything around us, a lot of it is transactional. Hmm. You know, whether it's your job, whether you're doing something because it benefits you in some way, even our approach to nature in many many ways. What is it? We you know we try and preach to people saying, please save this or protect that because ultimately it's your survival. You know. This, hmm. You oxygen. It gives you food. It gives you this. It gives you. It's very transactional. So we want to break that mindset to say, ultimately, what's the one thing across the board, no matter what culture you live in and where you come from, is the one thing that holds us together as humans. It's the connections we make. It's the love we share. It's the human humanity, the emotion, it's community that we feel, and that is ultimately the only thing that's going to bring about any long-term conservation into play. That's the only thing that's going to bring about us really banding together across the world to try and work towards, you know, I will never call it saving the planet or saving nature because the planet and nature don't need saving. The human species, we need saving. And back for that, we need to come together across the board. You know, look at people, um, especially in South Africa, where we know there's so many people struggling with unbelievable challenges, you know, and, and, and when you talk about nature, for example, it becomes like an us versus them kind of argument, because for a lot of people, they feel, oh, my God, if you talk about protection, or if you talk about conservation, my livelihood and my life is impacted, because they already lead challenging lives. And the conversation shouldn't be around that, it should be around, my God, if this, this is your natural cultural heritage of this country, this extraordinary mm. coastline and this extraordinary great African sea forest. And even if you're a fisherman, um, regenerating this ecosystem will only mean that it will future-proof your job exactly. down the line. Exactly. Because right now your job isn't future-proof. Because once you fish the place out, it's done, right? Exactly. So how do you get all these messages across without, you know, 
uh, treading on the toes of people who have very, very genuine concerns and challenges in their lives. So that is why we opted to go the route of trying to elicit an emotional response by saying, mm-hmm. this is your place. This is your mm-hmm. world. The human is not separate from nature. This is where you belong. And in fact, mm-hmm. it is the separation in many ways that leads right back to what we were talking about, which are all of our mental health issues. Absolutely. And by the way, marketers can learn a lot from you. Um, you know, we have this BS baffles brains approach to marketing our products, our companies, what we do. It's superficial. But marketing yeah. should be how does interacting with our product make you feel? Exactly. And if you can achieve that, then you yeah. want to a winning wicket. Now, for those who've just tuned in, you're wondering what this passionate conversation is all about. Well, we are chatting to Swati Tiagaranjan, who is the associate producer, um, and also Craig's wife. Craig, of course, the, the, the face behind my, my octopus teacher, right? It's just making, pardon the pun again, I'm running out of them at the moment, but making waves um, internationally. We also joined now by, you know, by Kevin Smuts, who did the score and himself winning awards on this. Kevin, have you had, uh, all the Hollywood producers are so yesterday. Today. It's more like Netflix producers that we, we care about <laughs> these days. Um, are there lots of people reaching out now just from the other side going, listen, love that score. Can you do some work on a project for me? Uh, I have had a few people reach out. Um, mm. I mean, I've, I've not only had producers uh, asking me to do their, their film, but I got a very exciting message uh, in my email inbox from um, a, a film or a music editor who works with probably my my biggest composer hero of all time oh. and so you know he he just sent a very simple one line i really loved your music for my octopus teacher and i sort of fell off my chair just wow. couldn't believe that that one of my heroes had enjoyed my score yeah. <laughs> and so yeah it's um again it's been a, a wild roller coaster and i i never dreamed that any any of the response that we've received would happen um, but it's been a wonderful roller coaster to be on. Now it is. And imagine you were stupid and you said, no, sorry, man, I can't work on this one. <laughs> <laughs> and then you decided to go work on some second-rate movie that would have paid you for it. It's amazing exactly. what happens when you actually put your faith in someone that you trust. So, <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, Craig, I, I knew that I was putting my faith in someone who makes exceptional yeah. films. And, ev- and even if we didn't go on to make uh, My Octopus Teacher, mm. just working with him is such a, an honor and a privilege. Yeah. So uh, that, that's why I went for it. And, you know, it it turned out wonderfully well, um, but it's always there's such amazingly talented people in in South Africa and in our industry, and it really, you know, we are you know getting onto the world stage more and more. But mm. um, sometimes we feel very small fry, as Swati was saying, compared to yeah. the American juggernaut. Um, but uh, yeah, it's we do produce some of. Some of the best quality work in the world, and it's an it's an honour to work with such talented people in this industry. So, really, the team that put together my octopus teacher, mm. I, yeah, I consider them top of their game, and I really Love it us. was such a such a an honour to work with each one of them. Yeah. Absolutely, Kevin. Listen, you make us proud, man. And I've got no doubt you're going to have a Netflix coffee with your, uh, maybe a tea or maybe something stronger uh, with your with with your hero sometime soon. You, sorry, uh, did I say Netflix? No, you're going to be having a Zoom coffee because I think that's what we do these days. But Kevin Smuts, thank you very much. And Swati, from your side, very quickly, I think we literally have under a minute. But I just wanted to understand from you now where to from here, if we can. Um, because you, you speak so passionately. I love, I just love interviewing you, by the way, and Kevin as well. Uh, so where to from here? 
you know, if the success is there, the, the, the lessons will continue to be taught. People will continue to internalize. Where do you see this going? Well, the one thing we're very, very keen to do, and we're working very hard on it, and Netflix very kindly has come on board, is we're trying to get it translated into South African languages so we can actually literally take the film and screen it for our people all over South Africa because Netflix being Netflix is not available to a majority of the South Africans. So that is something we're very keen about because I think South Africans need to see the beauty of their country that they live in and and the beauty of what we have. Um, So that's one big thing that we're very keen on in the Sea Change projects working very hard on that. Our big aim in making the film was to get the Great African Sea Forest to become a global icon. And I think, you know, we've really succeeded quite well in that. And that Mm. could potentially translate into more people visiting Cape Town, a boost to our tourism industry, you know, less extractive way of dealing with nature and wildlife. Um, And hopefully that will grow. So that's another thing we're looking at. And mostly, you know, is really just, you know, getting people to understand that our greatest challenge today is what we are doing to the natural world and, and, and having to heal that because without healing that, we cannot heal ourselves. And, and I think that that's really like the big step forward. And of course, to be able to do this uh, with this fantastic South African team and get that talent South Africa has on the map and hopefully down the line, get more diversity um, into the marine yeah. world and even the filmmaking world. You know, hopefully mm. if we can do that, uh, that would be just magnificent because as Kevin yeah. said, there's incredible talent here and there's some of the best people I've met uh, out in this country. Indeed. Swati, thank you very much for your time, your passion as associate producer making this work as well. Swati Tiagarajan, thank you so much. And send our regards to Mr. Smuts there, will you? Uh, But wonderful having both of you on.